0: Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast, I'm your host, Chuck. I've been thinking a lot lately. By lately, I mean the past couple of years. I've been overthinking by my own standards, but maybe underthinking compared to most people listening. Either way, I believe COVID has gifted us more opportunities to think about our place on this planet, our place in society, our place in our social circles, and our place in our own heads. That's what I believe. Why do I believe that? Well, personally, many of the things I took for granted have been upended and still remain flipped as a result of this pandemic. What evidence do I have to support that statement? Three years ago, I was able to go to work, I was able to shop, spend time with friends, family, and even meet new people without immediately thinking about their stance on vaccines, masks as a preventative measure against spreading illness, race relations being taught in schools, the role of public mandates in modern society, or their belief on what they believe to be fact and what they believe to be conspiracy or misinformation. That last part, that of beliefs, is what I want to talk about today. To me, that's more interesting to think about than the current mess of our political system in certain areas of our society. Why do people believe what they believe and how can those beliefs change? I'll start with a personal story. When I was in college, I had a philosophy professor pose this question to our class. Can you choose your beliefs? That question has stuck with me since. Prior to that question, I always thought of free will as a given. We all encounter crossroads in our lives, and we all make decisions on which route to take. Some of us compile a list of pros and cons for going one way or another, but all of us have the capacity and autonomy to turn right or left, go back from where we came, or possibly even march through the untrodden trail. But how do we arrive at this decision? Well, it's likely based on a belief we have about the future outcome of each potential path. It's easy to take free will for granted in the simple crossroads scenario, but what if we dig deeper? That's when things get kind of messy. Answer this question about beliefs. Can you really choose your religion or lack thereof? If you're Christian, can you make a conscious decision to give up on Jesus and believe instead Muhammad is the prophet or vice versa? If you do decide to switch existential belief systems, are you really committed? Could you actively make the decision that you are God or that you're living in a Truman Show type reality where the world you see and live in revolves around you? I'm not 100% sure of the answer to that question. Maybe if you commit to a new religion, even without inner conviction of its truth, after years of practice and social reinforcement by other members, your desired belief may become a reality. Or maybe that could never happen. I just found that question posed by my professor. Can you choose your beliefs? Can you consciously give up or change a deeply held belief to be enlightening? It muddies the idea of reality, or what we perceive as the real objective reality. Our inherently skewed perceptions of reality bring to mind extreme cases such as an individual high on hallucinogens, someone suffering from severe mental illness, or even groups of people involved in a cult. Speaking of which, I recently watched a documentary series on HBO about the Heaven's Gate cult. If you're somehow unfamiliar with the Heaven's Gate cult, they had a belief system that rivaled Scientology and science fiction-inspired fantastical religious fervor, a somewhat entertaining science fiction substitution for reality, but still not quite good enough for a novel or television series. Why is it that most religious texts aren't even half as good as a Dean Koontz novel? You'd think if they were inspired by God, they'd be a little more engaging than the person trying to sell it to you. A half-billion copies of Harry Potter weren't sold by J.K. Rowling and her prophets, going door-to-door, espousing how her book would fill some empty void in your life, only for you to buy a copy and leave it on your bookshelf to collect dust. People buy Harry Potter books because they're easily digestible and understandable their semi-decent stories with relatable characters. In fact, people still buy the books in spite of J.K. Rowling's constant attempts to publicly assert her political opinions in what I imagine as a jealous attempt to reach the same level of fame as her own imaginary characters. I digress. Heaven's Gate. They were a Christianity-based quasi-religion that believed heaven was in outer space and that certain people had been injected with alien souls to spread the word of God. Jesus was the first alien, and the next two aliens happened to be T and Doe, the leaders of the cult in the 90s. Heaven's Gate believed that the arrival of the comet Hale-Bopp was a sign from God that the time to leave their containers or physical bodies had come. Hale-Bopp is a once-in-every-2,000-year phenomenon. 2,000 years prior, Hale-Bopp brought Jesus. This time, T and Doe. The cultists believe hale was accompanied by a spaceship piloted by their eternal saviors. As the comet approached, the group got so excited they decided to buy a telescope to get a good look at their future vessel. Unfortunately, they didn't see the spacecraft, but Heaven's Gate, undeterred, returned the telescope to the place of purchase claiming the product was defective. Now that is some unshakable belief belief that 39 of those members were willing to die for, because on March 26, 1997, that number of bodies and double that number of Nike sneakers were found in a compound in San Diego. Cause of death? Suicide. Actually, it wasn't really a compound, it was a house, but compound in San Diego sounds more dramatic. Obviously, the documentary was designed to entertain. However, the underlying theme of HBO's Heaven's Gate, A Cult of Cults, is that we're all susceptible to outrageous belief systems as a result of what they call brainwashing. These cult members were not idiots. Many were highly educated. They even had a website created in the mid-90s, and it's still up today. Go to heavensgate.com to check out some of their wacky writings. Like I said before, it's a terrible read, but imagine the level of education and or skills you would need to create a website in the mid-90s. These nuts were clearly in the top 1% in tech skills. That site is well above and beyond GeoCities quality. Could be that alien influence, I guess. The still-existing webpage is a testament to the cult members' ingenuity, skills, and intelligence. This group, at some juncture, not only figured out how to code, but they also figured out that they needed to drink poison Kool-Aid in order to gain a boarding pass to ride a UFO into heaven. Let's talk about brainwashing for a moment, because I wasn't happy with the documentary and how it simply equated brainwashing with cult membership. I believe brainwashing to be more subtle and ubiquitous than that. Webster has two definitions. One, a forcible indoctrination to induce someone to give up basic political, social, or religious beliefs and attitudes and accept contrasting regimented ideas. Two, persuasion by propaganda or salesmanship. The documentary was focused on the first definition. In the 90s, there were about 250 million U.S. citizens— Of that enormous group, 39 committed religious suicide to board a spaceship. Obviously, those 39 people were statistical outliers. When I hear the word brainwashing thrown around, it tends to correlate with these extreme examples. Cults, racially charged political ideologies, or even on the micro level, individuals stuck in unhealthy or abusive relationships. But what about the second definition of brainwashing? Persuasion by propaganda or salesmanship. When do we drop the term brainwash and instead label someone with a socially acceptable political identity, religious group, or sports team affiliation? To me, I think of the state of being brainwashed as a much more frequently occurring phenomenon. What if the term brainwashed was defined more simply as having unquestioning belief, or belief despite contradicting evidence? Wouldn't that definition also fit the description of Heaven's Gate cult members? I mean, they threw away the telescope rather than their outlandish ideas. Unfortunately, there's another term that fits the definition that isn't considered brainwashed. It's actually deemed a positive trait by many people. What am I talking about? Well, being faithful. There are several definitions of faith and faithful, most of which include the words trust or belief without proof. I don't see much of a difference between being brainwashed or having faith, especially when presented with contradictory evidence, which is why I believe in changing my beliefs based on information gathered using the scientific method. I believe in changing my beliefs. That statement may bring to mind the image of a snake eating its own tail, but bear with me for a moment. Here's the definition of the scientific method according to Oxford a method of procedure that has characterized natural science since the 17th century, consisting of systematic observation, measurement, and experiment, and the formulation, testing, and modification of hypotheses. The nice thing about the scientific method is that modification is in the definition. Also in science, your belief systems are required to be predictive in nature, and if your hypothesized predictions aren't true, you should throw out that belief. The other aspect of the scientific method that I love is that it leaves room for uncertainty. Richard Feynman put it best when he said, you can never prove you're right. You can only prove you're not wrong. I wonder if the Heaven's Gate cult members would still be alive today if they had used the scientific method while questioning their beliefs. Hypothesis, there is an alien spacecraft following Hale-Bopp. Observation, we don't see a ship with this telescope. Conclusion, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Unfortunately, these cultists adhere to the ad hoc hypothesis method, which is very suspect in science. Ad hoc is basically an addendum to prevent a hypothesis from being falsified. Oh, the telescope doesn't work. Or maybe the spaceship is invisible to the human eye. Or the spaceship landed on the opposite side of the comet. Or the lens cap is on. That last one, I guess, isn't too outlandish. Anyway, this ad hoc hack is something I find deeply concerning. We all do it, too. We make excuses for ourselves and other people, we cling on to exceptions to the rule, or my least favorite, somewhat in the vein of ad hoc hypotheses, we find an analogy or catchphrase for something we know to be true and apply it haphazardly to a belief system we should let go. I don't want to condemn all forms of analogy. In the hands of knowledgeable experts, figurative language can condense complex concepts into easily digestible morsels. Take, for example, Stephen Hawking on black holes. If a person could visit a black hole's event horizon and survive, the gravity and time distortion would make the experience last a thousand million lifetimes, and it would feel like you had that same number of elephants slowly compressing on every inch of your body. Just kidding. Don't take that analogy to heart. I made that up. So that was actually an example of an easily imaginable situation, elephants crushing someone for a near eternity, used by a layperson, me, to explain something difficult to understand. Unfortunately, the analogy doesn't apply to anything in outer space. But I bet the image of an elephant squashing someone is easier to remember than a bunch of math explaining singularities. So how do we prevent ourselves from being misled and internalizing incorrect beliefs? In the previous non-example, you could have elephants sit on you, then visit a black hole to compare the two experiences. But you can't always test a statement for yourself, so I would recommend collecting as much knowledge in the given area as possible. You could check to see if Stephen Hawking actually made the quote that you heard or saw in a meme. Reading a book would help. Reading a few books from different physicists with opposing viewpoints would probably give you an even better idea about black holes. Whatever it is, collecting multiple data points and acquiring knowledge, I believe, is a good way to avoid being sucked into a dangerous faith-based situation. We're all impulsively drawn to ideas we feel are true or that we deeply want to be true. When I hear someone passionately sharing new information that I want to catalog in my brain without a filter and repeat to my friends, relatives, and anyone who will listen on social media, One thing I like to remember is that we humans are wired to imitate. It's part of our DNA. Want some evidence? Well, let me summarize an experiment by Drs. Horner and Whiten titled Causal Knowledge and Imitation Emulation Switching in Chimpanzees and Children. Spoiler alert, chimps are smarter than kids in some situations. Here's the brilliant experiment these doctors carried out. In 2005, Horner and Whiten wanted to compare chimps and humans' abilities to emulate useless steps in a problem-solving sequence. I'll give you an abridged synopsis. They put a treat in a box with a hole in the front and a bolt on the top. It was possible to get the treat without releasing the bolt on the top of the box, but the crux was that an experimenter was present to teach the apes and children how to get the treat. They slid the bolt, opened the front of the box, then got the candy. Humans and monkeys were both smart enough to follow the directions, but when the experiment was repeated with clear box panels so the chimps and the kids could see exactly what was going on inside the box, A majority of the human children continued to slide the unrelated bolt out of its holder while a majority of the chimps figured out that the first step was useless and stupid, so they skipped it. Think about that for a minute. According to that experiment, people are more likely to mimic than think. Now, I couldn't find replications of the experiment, so take the results with a grain of salt. But anecdotally, how often do you hear or see someone? I'm talking about adults here. Repeat others that they deem to be an expert or authority figure without gaining their own knowledge in the area or even trying to falsify the claim. To bring things back to the beginning, maybe we have the free will to choose our beliefs or maybe we're just meat puppets reacting to the information we're given. Either way, if you want to have the least wrong beliefs about politics, economics, climatology, virology, physics, biology, aliens coming to take your soul, or how to get candy out of a clever box, do yourself the favor and actually research a little bit. It's probably less entertaining than a quick, unrelatable quote, text on a picture, or an emotional tirade, but it's likely much more reliable. Don't let those with a platform prey upon your ignorance. Damn it, that may have come off as a little preachy. I was using the word you as a collective you, including myself. The pandemic has honed my ability to speak to myself in the second and third person. Let me rephrase and internalize. Individualize. We do live in an individualistic country. We should all take the time to question ourselves. That's the best way to ensure we don't end up on a suicide mission inspired by a bad storyteller who didn't have the patience or persistence to write his thoughts down into a bestseller. Hell, I question myself every time I hit the record button on one of these podcasts. And again, when I drag the file to my computer and click upload. But I guess if you're hearing these words right now, I may have a bit more work to do on the whole questioning my own beliefs thing. Thank you for listening to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell someone about it and listen to another one.